Our family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. John F. Kennedy once said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget the highest appreciating is not to utter the words, but to live them. Good evening, folks. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things, godly principles, family values, honest dialogue always done in a politically free zone. Thanks for joining us this evening. This is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly. So let's get started. Jonathan, good evening. What's happening and what are we talking about? Good evening, Rick. Our question for this evening is, is gratitude your attitude? And our theme text is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. All right, so the question, is gratitude your attitude? And of course, you know that phrase, the attitude of gratitude is everywhere, especially now Thanksgiving week. But here's a little question for you. What do the 4th of July and Thanksgiving have in common? Now, the most obvious answer is that these two celebrations are uniquely American in that their very founding was undeniably linked to the founding of the United States. The less obvious answer is that these two holidays were also founded in humble recognition of God Almighty. Wonderful. Just read the first and last parts of the Declaration of Independence and just read the first declarations for Thanksgiving from these uh, United States at the very, very beginning, and you will see that God was first and foremost. Now, fast forward. Here we are, about 240 years later, and God is... It's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. God is no longer first, and he is certainly no longer foremost. So, as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday this Thursday, what can we do to relight our own fire of gratitude towards God and then towards one another. And I want to stress towards God first because that's the thing that's forgotten and then toward one another. So let's get started with that relighting of that fire by talking about it. And Jonathan, that's something that we do a lot, isn't it? We do, Rick. And what a great subject. Um, And having a positive attitude and appreciation just makes your life better. It does. It does. And, and, and I think that's, that's one of the bottom lines of this is to realize that gratitude will just make your life better. It, it takes work to have gratitude. It takes effort to have gratitude. But it actually increases the quality of your life. So, you know, you could be like the snake oil salesman, step right up, I've got this little vial of gratitude, only nine ninety nine ninety nine, <laughs> and you drink this thing and you start to have gratitude and your life's going to get better, you're going to start feeling better, you're going to have more energy. There's truth to that. Forget the snake oil. <laughs> There's truth to that. What a riot. <laughs> so this week we're going to focus on several profiles in gratitude. But first, let's see what gratitude can do for us. Uh, we're going to go to a soundbite, Jonathan, Jonathan, from Greater Good Science Center. And uh, this is, he's going to be talking about, uh, Robert Emmons is going to be talking about four steps 
of what good gratitude is. And so in this first soundbite, we're going to hear the first two things that gratitude can actually do for us. Number one, it allows us to celebrate the present, a magnification of positive emotions. We know from research by emotion scientists that emotion, positive emotions wear off quickly. There's, our emotional systems like newness. They like novelty. They like change. And we adapt to positive life circumstances so that the new car, the new spouse, the new house, the new whatever is not so new after a short period of time. We adapt to it. Well, with gratitude, gratitude involves the appreciation of the value of something. And so when we appreciate the value of it, we're less likely to depreciate the value, which is to lose the value. Therefore, we extract more benefits. Number two, gratitude blocks negative emotions, toxic emotions, which can destroy our happiness, subjective well-being, optimal functioning, particularly in the domain of envy, resentment, even depression. There's new evidence coming out showing that gratitude is effective in the prevention, uh, reduces the episodes of depression, reduces their duration, and makes uh, future episodes less likely. You cannot be envious and grateful at the same time. Try it. You can't. They're, they're incompatible feelings. You can't resent someone for having something that they have that you don't if you are grateful. Those are very different ways of being in the world. So it's kind of interesting. Gratitude celebrates the present, and it blocks negative emotions. And wow, Rick, really reducing depression? Is that amazing? It is. And, and gratitude, it, 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 and that's why I use the example of the, the snake oil salesperson, you know, it can feel like it's a, a miraculous healing agent. It really can have that kind of effect in our lives if we allow it to. And that's, Do doctors prescribe it? That's what I want to well, know. Well, you know, I have, I have heard of some doctors talking about learning to say thank you and learning to have gratitude on a regular basis. Uh, nice. but, but it's, you know, of course, there's no drug company that can make money from that. So <laughs> you, know, you wonder about that part. But it, gratitude is a powerful, powerful medicine for life. And I think that's a great place for us to start. Gratitude celebrates the present and it blocks negative emotions. And, and Jonathan, this evening, each segment is going to be its own little mini program. Excellent. Okay, so we're going to have a profile in gratitude from each segment. And, you know, our, our opening quote was from John F. Kennedy. Yes. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciating is not to utter words, but to live by them. And when I was a kid, and I don't know why I remember this, but there was a book that John Kennedy wrote called Profiles in Courage. And I, re I, I never read the book, but I remember the title. I remember that John Kennedy had written it. And... When we were doing, getting ready for this program, I was thinking, we need to profile gratitude. It's profiles in gratitude, just like profiles in courage. And it was this, this little mental connection. Wow, that's cool. So our first profile in, in gratitude is Daniel. Okay, Daniel, the Daniel of the lion's den, Daniel. Now, Daniel's life path was an unpaved road through uncharted territory. And he really, really, we have a two or three part series on Daniel that folks you should really listen to. It's very inspiring. He was able to navigate that road with the compass of faith, the staff of courage, and the sustenance of gratitude. The following event that Jonathan that we're going to read about was upon the revealing of the dream and its meaning that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And remember this dream, he had this dream, and uh, he says, this thing is gone from me. 
but uh, he called all of his wise men together and says, I had a dream. I'm not telling you what it is, so tell me what it was and then tell me what it means. And no one could do that. Yeah, well, like, well, sure, we'll tell you what it means. Just give us a hint. Tell us what it was about. No, I'm not telling you. And so what Daniel did is they were all sentenced to death. Daniel took his companions aside and they prayed over that circumstance and they asked God for his overruling and his providence and his direction. So when we drop into this story uh, at uh, Daniel chapter 2 verses 19 to 23, remember Daniel's very, very young at this point. This is what happens as a result of Daniel and his companions praying over this dilemma which was literally a life and death situation for them. Then the mystery was revealed in Daniel in a vision of night. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Blessed be the name of God from age to age, for wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons, deposes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. To you, O God, of my ancestors, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power, and have now revealed to me what was asked of you, for you have revealed to us what the king ordered. So it's interesting that Daniel is the one to whom the dream was revealed. It was revealed to Daniel personally. But in his prayer, he says, for you have revealed to us what the king ordered. That's because his three Hebrew friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, all were in this together. Right. And he, even though he was the one who was given the revelation, he said you reveal to, to us because they were working together to honor and praise God. And I think that's a great example of the humility of Daniel and why he could be used to do such amazing things as he did. Absolutely. So this first profile in gratitude really shows us that... It, gratitude can just can come from you and it's, it's easier to find when something has happened that is like a wow, you know, dodged a bullet because of this. Boy, can I be thankful. And that's really what did happen uh, with Daniel at that, at that moment. Now, before we go further with the explanation of Daniel, because we need to get into the other side of the story, let's go back to Robert Emmons, Greater Good Science Center. Uh, what, what good is gratitude? Remember, the first two points of the four were gratitude celebrates the present, gratitude blocks negative emotions. Now, we're going to hear about points three and four. Grateful people are more stress-resilient. There's been a number of studies showing that in the face of serious life situations, um, trauma, adversity, suffering, if people are dispositionally grateful, they recover faster, they're less bothered by some of the negative emotional symptoms, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety symptoms uh, in the aftermath of trauma if they are previously grateful individuals. So it gives people perspective by which I think they can um, interpret life events, and that's why it's beneficial. And the fourth in terms of strengthening social ties, I alluded to that earlier, a sense of self-worth. That when you are grateful, that's information. That someone else is looking out for you. Someone else has provided for your well-being. Or you, you notice a network of relationships, past and present, of people who are responsible for helping you get to where you are right now. You may not have thought about these people before. You may have taken them for granted. Once you start to recognize the contributions that they've made, either intentionally or unintentionally, you start to feel much better about your position in life. So gratitude does two more things. It, it creates stress 
resilience. You are far more resilient when matters of stress come up. And then gratitude strengthens social ties. And I love the concept of self-worth for others. Not, it's not about you. It's about how others affect your life and have helped you in your life. And, and you know, that, that's, that's, that's really, really, really true. And, you know, you can, be, you can have experiences with, with people for your, your entire life or for years and years and years. And then a, an experience happens where you, you look at them with that renewed gratitude. I, that happened to me just a few days ago, Jonathan, and you were the subject of that renewed gratitude. <laughs> and it was, and it, you know, it, it was such, it's such an enlightening, it is such an inspiring experience to have people that you know and you work with and you love and you care for and you've always let them know. But then something occurs and, and, and there's a whole new reason a whole higher reason to have gratitude for them. And it really is a, a, an amazing thing. It, it really, it literally lightens your step. I know it, it, that's what it did for me. Now, Daniel was in a place where he could find gratitude, mentally and spiritually, because he was already tuned to God. Sometimes the, gratitude, the path to gratitude is protracted, not like Daniel's. Early in King Nebuchadnezzar's life, he appreciated God. For instance, right after Daniel interpreted this dream for him, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, "Oh, God is great, you know, and you know everybody praise God, yay!" <laughs> but it wasn't. But he forgot, didn't he? Yes, he did, because it wasn't in his heart. It was a reaction. It was not a, a deep response of his. He so early in his life, he appreciated God specifically after that dream interpretation. But as time went on, King Nebuchadnezzar lost any godly perspective. And then what happened is King Nebuchadnezzar, because of his great wealth and his great success and the great things that he was able to do, what happened to him? Pride. He became God to himself. And the interesting thing is Daniel warned him. He said, look, you're on the wrong path. And if you don't change your path, you are going to fall mightily as a result of your incredible pride. King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was at that time King Nebuchadnezzar's highest um, uh, advisor. He didn't listen, and a year later, he fell into this, into this stupor, if you will, and became, and he acted as a beast for seven years. I remember a camp, Rick. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, you know, we, we used to work together at a, at a Bible youth camp, and one year the, the, the theme was Daniel. And during this particular year, uh, we were, the, the staff was, was, was acting out different parts of the life of Daniel. And when it came to act out the part of Nebuchadnezzar becoming a beast, I was the director of the camp, and my dad was there, and he was kind of like the dishwasher, you know? He, and my dad obviously was older. Uh, he always had a hearing problem, so it was very hard for him to communicate with the kids. But he would really work at it. He'd play with them and all. And we asked him to play the part of King Nebuchadnezzar as a beast. And of course, when, when everybody heard that my dad, who you know was probably in his 70s at the time, was going to do this, he, you know, they, they dressed him up with the, with the, with the hair and the made and, and he got dirt all over him. And, and if you <laughs> the read, fingernails, the fingernails, I can't forget the fingernails. <laughs> and he's crawling around on all fours and he's literally eating grass and all of this. And, and the kids are looking at him and they're <laughs> astonished. And, you know, I, it was I, amazing. And I think back on that with gratitude because here was a man who was very dignified in his everyday life. 
Yes, he was. But because he had the opportunity to make an impression on those kids, he was willing to do that. And it really was a great experience. Anyone that saw that will never forget. Yeah, you're right. Daniel 4, 34 to 37. This is a King Nebuchadnezzar now after he comes out of the stupor. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. See, now you can see there's a different attitude here in King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's continue. At that same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and my brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. So now he's given back all of the things that he lost. So the question is, what is he going to do with it? Well, here's what he does with it. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways and his judgments, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. So King Nebuchadnezzar didn't live terribly long after that, but what we see is a changed life. And that brings us to our first gratitude lesson, Jonathan. What is that? Whether we come from a place of sure and humble faith or pride and ego, Gratitude can be equally powerful and transformative. And that is really important. Whether you come from a place like Daniel or a pl- who was in line to know what gratitude was or a place like Nebuchadnezzar who thought he was you know, God's gift to everything, gratitude can actually play a really, really important part, a transformative part in your life. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is... Is gratitude your attitude? Coming up, next profile is Jonah. But wait, didn't he get swallowed by a big fish because of his disobedience? That's next. Yeah, this is about gratitude, right? (laughs) You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is, Is Gratitude Your Attitude? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL, or you can message us on your app. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Monday evening. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. Yeah, that's right. What do, you, what do you have gratitude for in your life? We'd love to hear from you, even if it's a little short message on the app. It's important. Expressing gratitude, Jonathan, is a really important part of making gratitude a significant part of your everyday experience. Now, having said that, sometimes we miss opportunities to show gratitude. And we're going to go to a, a soundbite uh, from Pretty Simplet, is, is the, 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 the YouTube site, and it's called Live Simply So Others Can Simply Live. It's about a young man who had to make a very difficult decision, and as we will go through the entire story this segment, you're going to hear how he actually missed a tremendous opportunity uh, for gratitude. 
It was September 30th, 2008, when, when the doctor came in and he just said that my mom had a cardiac arrest. They told me uh, that I had to make a decision. They said we can do A, we could try to revive her, but we'll probably break every bone in her body and she's feeling all the pain. Or B, you know, we'll just let life take its course and, you know, we'll let her pass in peace. So frantically, I had a minute to decide what I had to decide, either life or, or this. And, um, you know, I was told not to let the decision that I was going to make at that moment haunt me for the rest of my life. So I made the decision to let her go. I remember I just laid at her side and I was just weeping like crazy. I told her everything I was grateful for. I told her, thank you so much for how you raised me. And the sad thing about it is that was the only time I did it. I never did it before. I never told my mom how much I loved her. I never told her, um, I never told her anything until that moment. That's a tough story. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And But see, that's a true story of so many lives because sometimes something happens and then we look back and say, I wish I would have, if only I could have. Expression of gratitude can be, folks, if we make it, it can be a right now thing. And we can dissolve that woulda, shoulda, coulda attitude by implementing the expression of gratitude right now. But why does human nature put up a wall? Yeah. And, and you don't you, you you don't become vulnerable to really say what you think. Right. And and that's why they put up the wall or we put up the wall because nobody likes to feel vulnerable. Because when you sh when you express gratitude there's always that chance that it might be rejected or it might come across that's clumsily right. or whatever it is or or it might look like it's weakness. Right, right. So we put up the wall out of self-preservation and we miss one of the greatest things in all of life. Very, very good point. Jonah was a prophet of God. Now, this is going to be a profile in gratitude. Now, how do you get to really? gratitude with Jonah? <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> if you recall, the story goes that God told him to go condemn the city of Nineveh, and he decided he didn't want to do what God said. He, so he, he went the other way. Right. <laughs> he gets on a ship. There's a big storm. They throw him off the ship because he says, well, the storm is because of me. I've disobeyed God. And people on the ship say, well, you can't, we're afraid. He says, well, just throw me overboard. You'll be safe. So he gets thrown overboard after disobeying God and running away from God. And he's literally swallowed up by a great big fish. Now, where's the gratitude so far? <laughs> You're not seeing any. It's not there yet, no. <laughs> now, he's in the belly of this fish. Now, I, I guess it's pre-digestion. I don't know how it is. Ooh. But, Jonathan, he's alive, and he's conscious, and he has time to think. So, in Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, this is the recorded prayer that Jonah offers up from the belly of the fish. Now, look. I don't know about you. I've never been in that situation. <laughs> never want to be. But Me neither. talk about pending death. I mean, there is literally no way out. Okay? So this guy that we would normally not view as one who was an example of gratitude, rather we'd see him as an, as an example of grudging obedience. Here's what he prays in, from within the belly of the fish, a fish Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine infliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. 
All thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward the holy temple. So he's describing his circumstance as he prays. And it's interesting. He says, out of the belly of, of death, essentially, I cried. And he says in his prayer, and you heard my voice. Even though I was as far away from you, God, as I could possibly be, down in the, at the bottom of the sea, essentially, you heard my voice, and I began to look for you from that situation of certain death. He describes it further in verses 5 through 6. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about, and weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. So he's saying, I'm down in the belly of this fish. It's dark, it's dank, it's scary. I've got seaweed wrapped around my head. <laughs> you know. And, but he said, yet you have brought up my life from corruption. So he's saying, Lord, you've saved me even though I know I'm about to die here. So there's great faith and you're starting to see gratitude to God from an impossible situation. Now verses 7, 8, and 9 are three steps that Jonah takes in his putting gratitude in place. Verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. So the first step is recognition. He recognized that his soul had let him down, that his life, he had done the wrong things. And his prayer then was able to be released because he recognized there was recognition. Verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. This is contrition. He is now contrite. He realizes that he was paying attention to his own thinking rather than the mercies of God in his life. And verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And verse 9 is submission. I will do, Lord, if you somehow deliver me, I will do what you had told, you, you, you'd set me out to do. I will pay that which I have vowed because salvation comes from God. So you have recognition, contrition, and submission. And all those added up equal an attitude of gratitude. And Jonah's life was spared, and he accomplished the mission. Now, after he accomplished the mission, he complained again. He sure did. Because <laughs> he had a lot of character development to do. Okay, we'll, we'll leave it hey, at that. Some of us have more work yeah, than Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. But, but the point is that there, he was able to show sincere, deep, heartfelt gratitude in a very, very bad situation. Let, let's go back to uh, the the story of the young man whose mother was dying, and you know he had to let her go because she was not uh, recoverable, and just hear his conclusion of the things that she had taught him. After that, I remember I kissed her and I said goodbye. I uh, I went inside the waiting room. Um, I heard all these noises again, but no pitter patter in the street, no nothing, you know. And I remember I looked it up in him. I was like, "Is it over?" And he said, "Yeah, it's over." To this day, she's always in the back of my mind every time I do my schoolwork, um, everything I do, because she just taught me how to love, how to be kind, how to be real, how to be genuine towards people, um, live every second as if you're your last, and um, always help the poor, live simply so other people can simply live. 
So the interesting thing is this young man, even though his experience, if he had to do it over, I'm sure he would have been telling his mother many times a day of his gratitude for her. But he didn't. He wasn't able to do that. So what he did is he took what he had learned from her and he began to apply it to everyone else. And hopefully we can learn from his experience not to miss out. Right, because the missing out can really, really derail you. And it can cause great depression. I should have said, I should have done, I should have, should have, should have. Look, Thanksgiving Day is coming, and it's it's a national holiday. Everybody, or most everybody, gets the day off. And we make it about turkey and football games and and, and all of that. Why not make it about, just, just for 10 minutes, make it about gratitude, pure unadulterated gratitude and see how much better be vulnerable and see how much better your day can actually be so jonathan there's a gratitude lesson from this young man and from jonah because both missed a great great opportunity in their lives we can be filled with gratitude even if we've missed opportunities for our personal lack does not diminish the power of the gifts we have been given That's an important equation. Just because I may have missed something or just because I was lack in my response doesn't mean we can't have gratitude. It doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean we can't have the ability to to just bounce back because the gift is not diminished. God's grace is not diminished because we are lacking. It's still there. So it's something to jump into, to have gratitude for and, and to move forward with even if you've missed an opportunity. And boy, if, if you can get that, then the gratitude you have will be even stronger. We'd love to talk to you right now. We're live. Call us at 866-985-FOR-ALL. That's 866-985-4255. Or leave us a comment at ChristianQuestions.com. So this is an important lesson in gratitude because, again, sometimes we're all guilty of missing uh, opportunities. In the Old Testament, there's a few different words that are used for gratitude. Let's just touch on one of them at this point. Thanksgiving in the Old Testament, what does it mean? An extension of the hand that is by implication a vowel or usually adoration, specifically a choir of worshipers. Okay. So you've got adoration, a choir of worshipers, and you know that presents a, a pretty big picture. <laughs> it does. Because whenever you put a choir in place, you know th- th- that's that's a powerful message. It's a beautiful thing, Rick. It is, and it's it's meant to to show you power in praise. That's what a choir is really, really meant to. Well, the following and, scripture, and, and Rick, before we okay. go, I wanted to just mention uh, I'm in a service business, and I'm usually working by myself. And I often use singing uh, to the Lord for thankfulness uh, throughout the day. And typically I I use the hymn, How Great Thou Art, or Great Is Thy Faithfulness and Amazing Grace. And I kind of do a loop when I have opportunities so that I can let him know how much I appreciate all he's done for me in my life. So you are a choir of one. That's right. (laughs) Is that an acquired taste? (laughs) <laughs> anyway. Yeah, probably depends who's listening. <laughs> Actually, you're a great singer. So, Psalm 26, verses 1 to 7, a, a scripture that shows the actions that true gratitude toward God can provoke in our lives. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness 
is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I did not sit with deceit men, deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence, and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. So, with the voice of thanksgiving, with the voice of a choir of worshipers. Now, he may not have had a choir of worshipers, but that's the intention of his voice. So, I think that's a great lesson because our voice, if, if it's the, our intention, can be just like that choir of worshipers to God. And that's beautiful. It, it is. And that's the power of gratitude. He says, examine me, Lord. Try me. I've walked in your truth. I'm really working hard. And I love you and I want to show you and I want to live what I'm showing you. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay the vows unto the Most High. Remember the quote we started with, is, with from John Kennedy, that the highest appreciating is not to utter words but to live by them? Yes. Well, this, this verse is telling us the same thing. Offer unto God thanksgiving. Okay, say the words. And then the next part is, pay thy vows. Do the work. Say the words. Do the work. That is true gratitude when you put both of those together. Uh, another word for thanks in the Old Testament, Jonathan, is what does it mean? especially to revere or worship. And when you revere someone or something, you hold it in sacred and high esteem. So let's think about that in the context of this next scripture, Psalm 28, verses 6 and 7, as we discuss what gratitude means and how to put gratitude into a real place in our everyday life. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts, and with my song I shall thank him. I, with my song I shall revere him. And you know, in this, Jonathan, it says, The Lord's my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. I am helped. It reminds me of that song, you know, the verse, We all need somebody. Now, you could sing it. I, I can't sing it, but <laughs> you could sing it. We all need somebody to lean on. Yes, and, yes. And, and, and by leaning on God Almighty... We have been given promises that help that leaning to not be a wasted leaning, not be a, a, a fantasy of our minds, but that it can actually lift us and help to carry us through our daily experiences. Our deepest gratitude will always go towards those whom we trust the most. Now, here's the thing. If we don't show gratitude, then what does that say about our trust? Oh, not good. Well, and, and, you know, I was thinking about this. It's one thing to write something down. And you look back and say, wait, well, wait a minute. See, because without gratitude, without showing gratitude, without intentional gratitude, trust can actually begin to feel like an entitlement. Oh, interesting. And when you have an entitlement, there's rarely gratitude for something that you feel entitled to. Why should I feel gratitude? That's what I'm supposed to have. You know, and we can easily look at God's care for us and say, look, I'm a follower of God. He's supposed to take care of me. So he does his job. I do my job and everybody's happy. No, 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 no. If we look at God's uh, contribution into our lives and we are in awe with that contribution, if we look at it and we feel that deep, humble, gracious thankfulness 
for his contribution and his overwhelming overruling, then what he does for us is deeply, truly appreciated. And there's no entitlement thinking or mentality or anything going on because everything is now totally and completely different. So gratitude is an intentional, clear action. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is, Is Gratitude Your Attitude? Coming up, next profile is the Apostle Paul, who suffered constantly for Christ. Where did he find gratitude? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is, Is Gratitude Your Attitude? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866 866- 985 for all, or you can message us on your app. And if you have a smartphone, sign up for our free app. Go to your smart, go to your uh, smartphone <laughs> store, app store. Yeah, app store. Yeah. We know that's what you meant. <laughs> type in Christian questions, and it, it's a free service. So enjoy. That's right. Get that app. It's a, it's a really really great service. It's a great tool. You want to have good tools to work with, and that's why CQ Rewind is such a, a great thing. That's another free service that's built around uh, each and every week's uh, broadcast. Rick, I appreciate this program. Each segment is its own little lesson on yeah. gratitude. Yeah, so I love that. You know, if you want to introduce somebody to Christian Questions and you don't have the ability to say, hey, l- listen to this two hours, I mean, because two hours is a long time, take a segment, pick a segment and, and say, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's an 18-minute uh, lesson on gratitude, see what you think, because that's a great way to introduce somebody uh, to get involved with what we try and do each and every week, and that is make the Bible come alive. Help people think about the Bible like they never have before. Our next profile is about the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul is one of the all-time great examples of, I don't know, every Christian attribute there is. (laughs) You got it. Well, and, and, you know, it's interesting. There's so many aspects to Paul. We had to try to just pick a few. So let's start with Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So the first thing that we want to notice here for the sake of this segment and this lesson in gratitude is Paul, the Apostle Paul, found gratitude in thinking about fellow Christians. He found gratitude in just the thought of fellow Christians. That's because he saw them as of great value. And in the book of uh, Philippians, he just praised and gave honor to those faithful ones from that church because they really gave him strength and, and courage to keep keeping on. Yes. So I love the book of Philippians. Yeah, and, and it is, it's a book that's full of gratitude. It really, really is. We're going to go to another soundbite, a series of soundbites for this segment from um, a website, uh, um, stressfree.org. This is called A Very Happy Brain, and this is a scientist speaking about Broody the Brain, <laughs> a brain that broods a lot, okay? And um, how Broody learns to not be such a brooder, okay? That's what the what part of the lesson for this particular segment. Friends, this is the story of how Broody, a very unhappy brain, 
became very happy. You see, Brody struggled with fear and self-doubt. He felt unsafe and unworthy. He didn't know what to do. Then Brody's friend suggested an idea. Together, they went to school to learn about the brain and about themselves. Come, let's find out what they learn. A short course in happiness. Your brain has trillions of junctions that magic millions of its functions. Let's learn about three traits of the brain that in overdrive can get you drained. First trait, your brain feels others' pain as its own. Your brain hurts just the same, in personal or beloved's pain. The same neurons fire when you are in despair and when someone else is hurting about whom you care. So that's an interesting lesson, Jonathan. Our brains feel others' pain just as it feels our own pain. That is interesting. So we really are compassionate creatures. We are. And through that compassion, we can learn great, great gratitude. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 29 is another example of the gratitude of the Apostle Paul. I have been in labor and hardship through my sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who was weak without me being weak? Who was led into sin without my intense concern? So, see, this builds on the Apostle Paul's gratitude about thinking of other Christians. He also joined those other Christians in their pain and their suffering and their trials. He did. And their mistakes and their bad choices. And, and it had an effect on him. And because he joined with them, there was this connection. And that, that, that's breeding ground for great gratitude, if, if you allow it to be. So let's go back to Broody the Brain, okay? This, this <laughs> poor brain who's having troubles and see what, uh, you know, the first trait is that our brains feel others' pains just as our brains feel our own pain. Now the second and third traits are going to be uh, made clear in this next soundbite. Second trait. For your brain, imaginary is real. Your brain lights up the same nerve bundles for events real or imagined stumbles. If you dream of a spider on your shin, it might cause the same dread as the real thing. Third trait, the brain can't tell physical pain from emotional hurts. The pain of a mean scorn stings the same as agony of a hurtful thorn. Broken bone and broken heart both cause the same smart. To find inner contentment and plenitude, snug yourself in the comfort of gratitude. Your greatest joys come from passions that are lush with true and deep compassion. Once you're lost in healing others and start seeing strangers as brothers, your brain will become the happiest of all, be it summer, spring, winter, or fall. So, great little lesson, a uh, couple of lessons. Our brains see our imagination in the same way they see reality. And then the third trait is our brains do not differentiate physical pain from emotional hurt. So the answer for the brain is to find something to be grateful for. Because that's like this, 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 this cure for all of those other things. It's a neutralizer for... Um, you know, it's like an antacid. You know, do you take Tums? <laughs> what does it do? It neutralizes the acid that gives you heartburn. And, you know, that burning, awful sensation, you can neutralize it. That's what gratitude does, is it neutralizes the burning so that you can now 
have your heart focused on something much higher and much more valuable. The Apostle Paul had a lot of those heartburn type experiences. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So the Apostle Paul it has great, wonderful things happening, and he's got this, this, this messenger of Satan that is really making his life difficult. It's holding him back. He wants to do more for the Lord. And he says to the Lord three different times, look, I know I can do better. I, this one thing is just, it's in my way. I know I can do better. Just let me do, I just want to do more. And look, he was not like he was slacking off. <laughs> okay. Not at all. <laughs> okay. And, but, but he says the answer given to him was my grace is sufficient for you for powers perfected in weakness. So the answer is essentially, no, you're going to have what you have. You're going to continue with your heartburn. So what is the apostle's reaction? Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, that's spiritual tums right there. <laughs> Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul found gratitude in his weakness and his lack, for he knew that Christ could sustain him, and he knew that Christ would sustain him. So he no longer prays to have this thorn in the flesh. We, you know, we've talked about this many times. We believe it was his eyesight. That's right. There's no longer reason for him to worry about it because now he's content in the knowledge that through his weakness, the power of Christ is more obvious. It's more resolute and it's more, uh, um, it's more effective in his everyday life. And the weakness actually teaches the Apostle Paul to not de depend on himself so much. But depend on the Lord's power working through him. Spiritual tums, I'm telling you, they really do work. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the idea that you can take the burning, difficult experiences, and when you give them to the Lord, that's what the Apostle Paul did, what he gives you back is something that you can work with. And even if the pain is not gone, the effect of the pain can be gone. That's what gratitude does for us. And it gives you peace. It really does. gives you peace. It, it really, really true. And, and with peace, you can accomplish a whole lot more. We welcome all comments or questions, even if you disagree with us. Give us a call. We're live at 866-985-4ALL. That's 866-985-4255. Okay, let's go back to Broody the Brain, as Broody is finally trying to figure out, or he is actually figuring out, how to become a happy brain instead of a brooding, sad piece of gray matter that's in between your ears. Broody the Brain came back from school with two important concepts. First, seeing others in pain, physical or emotional, fires his own pain network. And second, his imaginary fears cause him real damage. The school also taught him solutions to these neural predispositions through cultivating deeper gratitude and compassion. 
The daily practice of gratitude and compassion made Broody happier and stronger than ever. He defeated fear and self-doubt and then felt safe and worthy. The brains that feel safe and worthy become happy. Happy brains when they get busy in meaningful, creative and altruistic activities become very happy. Here is the secret to a happier life. Because of the way your brain operates, the pursuit of gratitude and compassion will make you happier than the pursuit of happiness. Now that last statement, Jonathan, went by a little bit quick, but it was very profound. It was, Rick. The pursuit of gratitude is going to make you happier than the pursuit of happiness. That's cool. And, and the idea is... To find true happiness, you don't try to go get true happiness. You find contentment, and gratitude is, is, is rooted in contentment. It's rooted in the, the ability to be thankful for whatever is, even if what is isn't to your liking. That is a powerful way to change your life. So, so far, the Apostle Paul. He found gratitude in thinking about his brethren. He joined in their pain and their suffering. And he also found gratitude in his weaknesses and his, in his lacks because he knew that Christ could and would sustain him because of those weaknesses. And he no longer worried about them as being weaknesses. Now let's go to another aspect of the Apostle Paul and his teaching us about gratitude. Romans chapter 8, verses 35. Then we're going to go to 37 to 39. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Okay, just pause there for one second because, you know, remember little broody, the little little brain there uh, learned that um, there, there was a sense of, remember he said you, you have to feel, be able to be worthy. That's right. The worthy. Feel safe and worthy. Right. Yes. The safety and worthiness for the Christian come through Christ. And that's why with this verse it starts, who will separate us from the love of Christ? There's our safety, there's our worthiness. Now continue. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquering through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this is a great experience to, to live the, the, the sense of this verse. Paul, the Apostle Paul, found gratitude in his conviction that we are led and protected through all trial, through all suffering, no matter what happens, no matter how it happens in our lives. Jonathan, one of the things we, we did during this past week is we asked a few of our uh, Christian Questions contributors to just write us out uh, a paragraph or two about gratitude in their lives. And here we're going to have gratitude as expressed uh, from Ella. Now, she is a wonderful, wonderful um, co-laborer with us in Christian Questions, was actually with us from the very, very beginning. Yeah, she's special, right? Yeah, she is. And she's been my right arm in many, many, many ways for many, many years. So this is Ella and her, her uh, expressions of gratitude. What does gratitude mean to me personally? I am grateful for my life and for God's dealings with me. He has given me, this undeserving person, an opportunity to be part of the heavenly body of Christ. My feeble attempts of thankfulness don't even come close 
to the gratitude God deserves. I love that phrase. My feeble attempts at faithfulness don't even come close to the gratitude that God deserves. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Just keep on going. Turning 70 is sobering. And okay, so 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 Ella is, is a little bit older than than me, not terribly much, but a little bit. And you know, she's looking at life from where she is, and our perspective from where we are makes a difference on what we see. Friends and relatives in my age group are aging, and some are now dying. I'm getting ever closer to the end of this life as I know it, and it is a bit frightening. However, scientists confirm that feeling gratitude makes an aging person happier, probably because one is less focused on self and more focused on others and on God. Therefore, now more than ever, I need to have a new appreciation for what I still have, my God-given faculties, and use them in the service to the best of my ability. I need to be grateful each and every day to the Lord for all his gifts. And so at the end of this now, she, she states, a, this is a goal I love. It's simple and straightforward, and it speaks volumes. What's her goal? Make gratitude to the Lord like prayer, my constant companion. Think about that, because we always talk about, oh, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. Have gratitude without ceasing, and see how that can change the way you live your every day. So, Jonathan, our final lesson of, of gratitude for this hour is what? We are surrounded with reasons for gratitude. We fellowship, we bear each other's burdens, we suffer for Christ and see his deliverance. All can equally bring gratitude. So it doesn't matter what experiences we're going through. All of our experiences, even the hard ones, are cause for gratitude. They're cause to be able to stop, look, and respond to God with gratitude. Now, we've barely touched on gratitude one for another. And we're going to do a little bit more of that in the second hour. But as we wrap up this hour, folks, let's just remember, gratitude is is not just a feeling. It is an attitude. It's a, it's a decision as to how I'm going to live my today and my tomorrow. When you make that decision, your life can take a different path, a better path, a more fulfilled path, and the bonus is it's contagious. We'll get into that in the second hour for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions. Tonight, it really is all about gratitude. Is gratitude your attitude? We'll be back in just a few minutes, but till then, think about gratitude. family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Randy Posh once said, showing gratitude is one of the simplest yet most powerful things that humans can do for one for each other. Folks, welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is Not Your Typical Christian Commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different 
perspective. And tonight's subject, Jonathan, it is Thanksgiving week, so what's our subject? Well, Rick, our question is, is gratitude your attitude? And our theme text is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Gratitude. That's what we want to focus on. In the first hour, Jonathan, we're doing profiles in gratitude. And each segment is its own little lesson of gratitude. Each segment is a different profile. Uh, We profiled Daniel uh, in the first segment along with Nebuchadnezzar. In the second segment, we profiled Jonah, a very unlikely profile. And in the third segment, we profiled the Apostle Paul. So there was was a, a gratitude lesson from each of those profiles. What was the lesson from the first one? Whether we come from a place of sure and humble faith or pride and ego, gratitude can be equally powerful and transformative. So our background doesn't matter. Gratitude can still do its work in your life. What's the, the lesson, the gratitude lesson from the second profile of Jonah? We can be filled with gratitude even if we have missed opportunities, for our personal lack does not diminish the power of the gifts we have been given. So just because you may have failed doesn't mean you give up and say there's no reason for me to have gratitude because God's gifts are not diminished by our failures. And the third lesson in gratitude was what? We are surrounded with reasons for gratitude. We fellowship, we bear each other's burdens, we suffer for Christ and see his deliverance. All can equally bring gratitude doesn't matter what's going on in your life. There's a reason somewhere that you can see that you can have gratitude for, and that can be the beginning of something really, really special. In this segment, Jonathan, we're going to go to a different, um, a different website talking about gratitude, the science of gratitude from Tremendo.us. Okay, and here in this first soundbite, it's going to be talking about the benefits of gratitude. Research shows that adopting an attitude of gratitude, simply expressing appreciation and being more thankful, can measurably improve your overall well-being. Studies prove that gratitude can increase happiness, reduce depression, and strengthen resiliency. Grateful people often experience reduced blood pressure, less chronic pain, increased energy, even longer lives. People who purposefully express more gratitude report higher self-esteem than those who don't. And they're more likely to help others. A pro-social behavior also links to greater happiness. People who capture grateful thoughts before bed sleep better than those who don't. Why so many positive changes? Because gratitude actually rewires our brains, kickstarting the production of dopamine and serotonin. Like antidepressants, these feel-good neurotransmitters activate the bliss center of the brain, creating feelings of happiness and contentment. Bring on the dopamine and serotonin, brother. Well, Rick, prayer before sleep is God-honoring and good for you. That's right. You can't lose. That's right. You know, on on a much lower level, like dark chocolate is good for you. (laughs) Prayer and gratitude, much, much better. Yes. (laughs) Look, I'm grateful for dark chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) But the idea, he listed so many advantages to living with gratitude. We could, we, we could have listed them out and, and taken an entire program to, to just discuss each of those advantages. That's how powerful uh, a, a change agent gratitude is. Let's go to our next profile in gratitude, and that is David. Uh, 
Gratitude and praise drove this faithful servant of God. The entire podcast could be about David. But for today, we're going to focus on his gratitude in one of his most difficult times. This was after some of his very grievous sins. And after you, you, you fall so fully and so deeply, you, it's hard to even imagine gratitude. And you have to go through a process to get to the point where you can begin to see gratitude. And in that process, Psalm 32 shows us how David grew back toward God and grew back toward gratitude. Psalm 32, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 and then verse 11. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impugn iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer, Selah. So David describes in the 32nd Psalm that he was literally, physically beginning to waste away because he had gone so deeply into sin and he was so far away from God. He felt irrecoverable. He felt his life, his vitality, says in the psalm, my vitality was draining away. Just like, just like the, the, the fever of heat in the summertime just draws the energy right out of you. That's what was happening to me. And when I kept silent, there was nothing good happening. And, you know, he puts that, that phrase, that word sila at the end of that description. And what does that mean? And Rick, that means pause and consider. There's something here we don't want to miss. So he's saying to us, absorb, absorb the depth of the despair that I was personally feeling. You see the humility to be able to express that to others? That's, mm. the, that's why David was a man after God's own heart, because even though he sinned greatly, he had this incredible, incredible humility. So now, verse, uh, verse 5, David begins to realize that he has gone so far from God, he needs to change his course. What happens? I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. So, again, pause and consider. I acknowledged my sin. I didn't hide anything from you, God. Uh, and because I put it before you without reservation, you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's so powerful. Now, we're not seeing gratitude at this point. What we're not seeing, yet. we're seeing healing. We're seeing recognition. We're seeing the, the understanding of your own, uh, um, your own fall and what you need to do for it. We're seeing personal responsibility. Those are the things we're seeing. Now, verses 6 and 7. It starts off, Rick, with the word, therefore. So this is going to be powerful. Right. Ready? Yes. He's learned his lesson. Therefore, okay. let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. So there you have another Selah. And like you said, therefore... I can tell you from personal experience that David is saying. That's it. You pray to the Lord like I did. 
You and if if you're as low as I was, it's okay. Right. Just make sure that you fully turn your sin over to him. Don't try to hide it. Be completely vulnerable. Let him do what he can do for you and through you, and your life can be uh, reserved. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Now we're going to jump down uh, to verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, your righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. So what we have here is you know, kind of a, a conclusion. Be glad, rejoice, shout for joy. There is the gratitude. There is what happens when you put things in, in, in place. David's sin had left him broken. His pathway back to God was humbling, painful, and long. But once again, he could see the light of God's love and his gratitude uh, absolutely positively began to overflow at that point. So, so Jonathan, we can see a very clear um, experience here of coming to gratitude through very, very, very difficult circumstances. Jonathan, we have a call. We have Julius from Connecticut on the line. Good evening, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Rick. Uh, good evening uh, to you and Jonathan. Also, uh, uh, it seems to me, the way I look at it, that uh, gratitude uh, has to have the foundation of humility. And uh, I like Psalms, uh, an illustration given, I think can be taken from Psalms 110, verse 7. It's 110, verse 7. Uh, an illustration is given there where it says, uh, uh, paraphrasing it, uh, he shall drink of the brook in the way, and he shall lift up the head. And the comparison is made there to when a sparrow, any bird, every time he takes a sip out of the water, out of the brook, he lifts up the head. They seem to say, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a, a beautiful illustration, very simple, but beautiful. Uh, and uh, my disposition, my attitude on, on, on the subject is I like, I think it may be, it might even be the last verse of the Psalms, 150. That is, quote, let everything that has breath praise our God. Thank you and God bless. Julius, thanks so much for the call. We truly appreciate it. As always, we appreciate your, uh, your, um, your diligence, your scriptures, and humility is the foundation for gratitude. What a great, great thought and comment that is. So, Jonathan, as we progress through this segment of gratitude, our profile is 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 King David, and we're seeing that his pathway back to God had to be humble and painful and long, but once he could see that, that there could be light, then he could have that gratitude, and that gratitude transformed him and brought him back to God once again. Beautiful, beautiful lesson. Let's it go. Is. Let's go back to the science of gratitude from Tremendo.us. Uh, and you know, in in the first soundbite from these guys, they listed out all the benefits of gratitude. Well, in this soundbite, they say, "Okay, well, what should you do with all of these benefits?" Here are a few simple ways to deliberately cultivate that attitude of gratitude. Celebrate minor accomplishments. Think about what you have rather than dwelling on what you don't. Tell the people in your life something you appreciate about them. Volunteer, hold a door for a stranger, or simply smile more, and you'll probably feel better, as kindness and giving are connected to gratitude. 
Similar positive brain changes can occur from regular meditation and mindfulness. Keep a daily gratitude journal using an old-fashioned notebook or a high-tech app. The science is clear. Give gratitude a go. You'll be thankful you did. There's a lot of ways to make gratitude a real part of your everyday life. And, uh, you know, look around at what you have. Volunteer. Smile. Keep a gratitude journal. Write things down. Remember things. Look for reasons to say thank you. And when you do that, when you actually say thank you to someone with a heartfelt thank you, people love that. Sometimes they're really surprised. <laughs> That's for sure in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, but they love it. Um, let's go now to um, another one of our Christian Questions uh, contributors, Lonnie. Uh, she had written uh, a few paragraphs. She actually wrote more than this, but we can only fit in so much. A few paragraphs, uh, paragraphs on gratitude and how she tries to apply gratitude in her everyday life. And she is much, 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 much younger than, than Ella, who we heard from earlier. So this is a, a completely different perspective on the same subject. I certainly try to make gratitude my attitude. It is work, though, and it requires effort. Everyone has different life experiences and certainly different personalities, but I do believe gratitude is like a muscle that we can work and condition to be stronger with time and commitment like any other muscle in our body. And I think it is a lifelong process very similar to building and maintaining our physical muscles. If you stop the process, the strength of the muscle will decrease with time. Okay, so exercise. You've got to exercise the muscle of gratitude. Let's continue with Lonnie's thoughts. One exercise that helps me to develop gratitude is what I like to call reframing, which is a way of saying, look at the big picture. When I find myself grumbling or feeling sorry for myself, I try to take a giant step back and look at the big picture. I usually start with a narrow, very narrow focus that magnifies whatever problem is at hand. And if I can expand my field of vision, my problem becomes very small in the bigger scheme of things. So really, she's kind of saying you've got to see the problem through bigger eyes that are further away because you see the context of the problem as well. The scripture that I think of with this is Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above not on things that are on earth. Now, that doesn't erase or change difficult experiences. It just shifts the perspective. See, now that's such an important thing. When you set your mind on something above, it doesn't change your circumstances, but it changes the way you see your circumstances. Things like death, illness, financial struggles, and all kinds of tough experiences that we go through are all realities. And the emotions and the pain that come with them are real. And we should never deny those or cast aside those like grief and sorrow. But by refraining our perspective, we can find grace and joy in even the most terrible, painful situations. So, and, and I really like the way that comment ends. You know, we can find grace and joy. It doesn't say we can find happiness. You know, You're right. We You're find right. grace and joy even in the most terrible and difficult situations. And, and that brings us to our gratitude lesson for this segment, and that is our greatest need for gratitude is when we have made destructive choices. Now, King David was an example of that. As soon as we can realize, repent, let me try that again. As soon as we can realize, repent, and reframe our issues, we will position ourselves to receive the healing balm of gratitude that gushes forth 
from God's love and forgiveness. You know, Jonathan, I want to paint a mental picture. You know how when they, when they strike oil and they say it's a gusher and you see the, <laughs> the, the incredible pressure from the earth that pushes the oil out of this hole and it's just shooting up into the air. Picture God's love and forgiveness being like that gusher. Gratitude is what falls on us, the balm of gratitude as a result of God's love and forgiveness. Let's go to Psalm 106.1 as we wrap up this segment. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So that puts us in a position of saying, look, just like Julius said, God's love, God's grace, God's everything is really everything that we could ever want and everything that we could ever need. Why don't we have gratitude? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is, Is Gratitude Your Attitude? Coming up, next profile is Jesus. We always thank Jesus, but do we ever think about Him showing gratitude? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is, Is Gratitude Your Attitude? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, our profile for this segment is Jesus. And, boy, there's no greater example. But I have to admit, I don't usually think of Jesus having gratitude nearly as much as I think of having gratitude for and to Jesus. You're right. That's that's how I always look at it. So yeah. this will be kind of a different look, and it was different to have this occur in my own head, like, wait a minute, what about <laughs> the gratitude that Jesus would have had? Uh, but before we get there, let's go to another story. This is from NBC Nightly News from October 10, uh, a true story, a sad story, but a story of tremendous, deep, heartfelt gratitude. When 34-year-old Laura Levis died from a massive asthma attack, husband Peter DeMarco could have easily melted into grief. What he did instead is inspiring. A simple act, a thank you letter, sent to the doctors, nurses, even the cleaning staff, everyone who helped care for his wife. So extraordinary it was published in the New York Times. He writes, How many times did you hug me and console me when I fell to pieces? or ask about Laura's life and the person she was. Amanda Moores was their social worker. Despite such tragedy, I think that there was a lot of beauty in that room. Like the time hospital staff looked the other way when Peter smuggled in their beloved cat for one final lick. It's not just about the physical support you give, it's about that emotional support. Or when nurse Jennifer Polly's helped Peter climb into his wife's bed to spend one last hour at her side. He called it a gift beyond gifts. That's amazing. Uh, oh. You know, he, he writes this, this long letter, this long letter of gratitude, not for recognition, but for the purpose of just saying thank you to those who gave in small ways. And it turns out to have gone viral, if you will. And it has, it has infused so many people with the sense of the power of gratitude. So as we look at that, we'll come back to that story in a moment. 
But let's go to Jesus. Jesus as a profile in gratitude. In this first profile of Jesus, Jesus having gratitude, he's giving thanks for seemingly small provisions from God. This is Matthew 15, verses 32 to 36, and this was when, just before the feeding of the 4,000. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people, because they have remained with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, Where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. Okay, so here you have the circumstances. There's 4,000 people there. They've been with Jesus for a long time. He knows they're hungry. He gathers what food supplies they have, seven loaves and a few fish. And you're looking at that, and you're looking at this massive crowd and saying, oh, come on, let's be serious. And what does Jesus do? And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks. He broke them and started giving them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. So what Jesus does with this is he's going to perform a major miracle. But the execution of that miracle comes through his gratitude to God first. He gave him thanks. Yes. Now, you, you can imagine that you've got these people all sitting down, and they're, they, they've been paying attention to him for three days now. So they're still paying attention. And, you know, you might be a little bit far away, but you see that there's not a whole lot. I mean, there's no truckloads backing up and dumping out bread and, and, and things like that. And fish. <laughs> and so you're thinking, what, what is possibly happening here? But you are mesmerized by what he has taught over these last several days. And he gives thanks and then miraculously is able to feed the thousands with almost nothing. What is small and insufficient in the eyes of men, can, by the grace and power of God through Jesus, be made to satisfy the multitudes. Jesus put gratitude in front of that miracle. And, and Jonathan, that's, a, that's a, frankly a lesson that I had overlooked before this. That is neat. The, the, the saying thank you to God publicly so that all would see this is a miracle of God through Jesus. Just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So Jesus gave thanks in small things. Our next profile of Jesus and gratitude is his giving thanks for God's compassion and God's listening ear. And this is at the, when he is just about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And this is truly his greatest miracle. This is John 11, verses 39 to 44. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. All right, let, let's pause there for a moment, because this is, this is to me, this is one of the great moments in all of biblical history. 
Lazarus has been dead. He's begun to decompose. That's how dead he is. There's no question about the the irretrievability of this circumstance. That's right. And he is talking to Martha, the sister of of Lazarus, and she is telling him, Lord. And Martha is a very practical person. If you if you read scripture, she's very practical. Lord, you don't want to open. You don't want to remove that stone because it's it's not going to be pleasant. And and Jesus' response is. I told you you're going to see the glory of God. And so he's got the people around him watching, and he's getting ready to say, remove the stone. Now people are thinking, what is he, nuts? This is, the man has been dead for days, and he just showed up, and he wants to remove the stone. What are you doing? What are you thinking? And Jesus does something he doesn't have to do. The scripture says that he raised his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He makes a public proclamation of gratitude to God. He's to say, he didn't have to say it out loud. He didn't have to say it so everybody could hear or see. But he did that so they would understand his gratitude to the Father in heaven for God's great power that was about to be expressed and exposed to all of the people watching. And Jonathan, this I, I think about this and it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> Shall I continue? Sure, why not? I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So Jesus looks up and he, and he, and he speaks to, to God and basically says in front of the people, I thank you that you have heard me. Now, and he says, and he continues, I know that you always hear me. This is not, this is not something new, but it's something new for those who are watching. They need to see your power. They need to see me subservient and grateful for the power that you have to be able to flow through me. There is such humility and gratitude here. And, and that, Rick, the connection that Jesus is bringing out between himself and his heavenly Father it is, is so beautiful. It is. It is. It, it's, it's, actually, it's breathtaking because he's, he's being grateful for God's attention. And then he's grateful for, for the opportunity to show God praise. And he's being a template for us in terms of doing the, the, the daily things that we do to have that openness to be thankful to God. You know, there, there's a Christian friend of mine who used to live in this area but moved away uh, several years ago, um, who just through in his daily experiences, we'd be talking about this or that, and he'd say, thank you, Jesus. And he, <laughs> he would say that a lot. And you know... It's, it's a wonderful thing because it makes you just stop for a second and just say, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should be thinking that more. What's the matter with me? And, and that's, I think, what Jesus is, is, is teaching the crowd here. And then, of course, Lazarus comes out of the tomb, this man who was dead who's now alive, and he says to him, unbind him and let him go. He's saying, take the wrappings of death and sin off of this man and let him have life again. And this was a picture of the great resurrection that would be coming in the future. 
What a great, great example. The greatest of all his miracles was born out of the deep connection between Jesus and the Father and the relationship of mutual love and love, purpose and gratitude, as you mentioned, Jonathan. God himself showed gratitude for Jesus when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So God can show gratitude as well. To our live listeners right now, we'd love to hear your feedback, questions, or comments. Call us at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4255. You can also leave us a voicemail 24-7 or leave us a comment at ChristianQuestions.com. So as we look at these lessons from, from Jesus, I mean, we, we've gone through two lessons of gratitude from Jesus, and both of them are very, very moving because Jesus shows gratitude in these really powerful moments of his life where he's able to show God's power to others. We're going to go back to that story about the young man who lost his wife and the thank you letter that he wrote to all of the, the employees of the hospital for taking care of her as she tragically died at age 34. So let's finish that story on the power of thank you. Now given them is a public expression of his appreciation. So powerful it hangs in the intensive care unit at CHA Cambridge Hospital. I think we all needed to be able to walk by it and look at Laura's picture and remember, even in the difficult moments, that this is why we do what we do. The sentiment struck a nerve online. Stories like this make me remember why I practice intensive care medicine. Sometimes you need a letter to restore your faith in humanity. Gratitude from a grieving husband, now teaching the power of saying thank you. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, New York. What a powerful story. What a wonderful example. It really is an incredible example of taking the time in the middle of his grief to say thank you. to, And, and he was specific in his thank you. This wasn't just a short paragraph. I want to thank the doctors, the nurses, and all of the staff at the hospital. You guys were really wonderful. He was specific about the things that they did that were really wonderful. And that shows you the depth of his gratitude. And that's a great lesson for us in being specific in our gratitude one for another as well. One more profile of Jesus and gratitude, Jonathan. Jesus giving thanks for the sacrifice that he's about to offer. So now we've seen him give thanks for bread and fish. That could be a miracle. Giving thanks for the power of God through him to raise a man from the dead. And now we're going to watch Jesus give thanks for the ability and the privilege of offering up his own life. This is Luke 22, 14 through 20. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when they had taken the cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. Okay, so at this point, he is telling them, I'm about to suffer. This is the last time I'm going to be with you in, in a place of, of, of comfort. And he has given thanks, and he's, he's encouraging the, those with him to, to participate with him. Now he goes on and he establishes what we, we know to be the memorial. Uh, verse 19, verses 19 through 20 of Luke 22. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So he takes the bread and he gives thanks. And he said, look, this is my body which is being broken. He is giving them an example to remember him by in, in the bread and the cup. And he's saying, this is what I'm offering up for you. And he gives thanks for those things. Not just to say, thank you, Lord, for this provision. But I think to say, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be and to do your will in the redemption of the entire world, the entire race of mankind. Now that is gratitude. It certainly is, Rick. And, and you know, you think about even, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying and he was sweating great drops of blood, and, you know, he was praying that a part of the, the experience would be lifted, but his, his, his end result was always, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's an expression of gratitude as well. It is. Because that's saying, I want your will. I love I, your will. I want to fulfill your plan. Right. Doesn't matter how I think. Doesn't matter how I feel. It's your plan that is most important to me. And when we have that attitude of gratitude, Jonathan, we can plow through some difficult, difficult things. So what's the gratitude lesson for this segment as we profile Jesus and gratitude? Gratitude can and should permeate every part of our lives. It should echo through the little and the big providences the privilege of and answers to prayer, the opportunities to represent the gospel with our lives, and the hard and costly sacrifices that are required of us. So we have an opportunity for gratitude to not only be present in our lives, but for gratitude to take over our lives. To, to permeate every single part of our lives so we can have gratitude when God, when we offer a prayer. We can have gratitude when God answers a prayer. We can have gratitude when God doesn't answer a prayer. We can have gratitude when God answers the prayer and says, no way, son, you got a lot of learning to do. <laughs> we can have gratitude when we slip and fall and we make bad choices and we realize that we come back to the throne of grace and we try to put things back in order again. We can have gratitude when, when, when life at work goes sour. We can have gratitude when things are good. Whatever the circumstance, gratitude can and should permeate and that changes the way we look at our experiences. I mean, think about it, folks. Think about it. How much better does life get than that? Gratitude changes everything. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Tonight's episode is, Is Gratitude Your Attitude? Coming up, last profile, you and I. How can we show and help others to show gratitude? That's next. Listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Tonight's episode is Is Gratitude Your Attitude? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866 985 4255. That's 866 985 for all or you can message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 
P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. So, Jonathan, as we uh, continue, you you mentioned at the end of the last segment, this profile is you and I. Okay, We've profiled right. several people from Scripture. Now it's our turn. What do we do? How do we show? How do we live the gratitude that we've been given the opportunity to live. We're going to go first to uh, part of uh, a couple of guys that are just <laughs> just wonderful in what they do. Um, they are called the Skit Guys. Uh, we use their, their uh, material uh, by, with permission. Uh, and then we're going to go into a, a three-step recipe for creating personal gratitude momentum because you've got to create momentum with your gratitude. In between the Skit Guys and our, and our gratitude momentum, we're actually going to go to a phone call. But uh, let's go to the Skit Guys first and just put things in perspective in terms of um, gratitude as only they can do it. And you can find these guys at theskitguys.com. They do Christian skits on all kinds of things, and they're very, very talented in teaching wonderful character lessons. Thank you, God, for trusting me to be his dad. Thank you, Lord, that when a door closes, you're still going to take care of me. And thank you for cheetahs and pickles and failings and mommies and daddy. Thank you, Father, <laughs> for always giving me perspective. I'm so sorry. Thank you, God, that you are the great physician of both my body and my soul. So, Jonathan, that, uh, that you, know, you really have to see the pictures to, to really fully appreciate it. But uh, those are just profiles and gratitudes in the moments when things maybe aren't perfect and things aren't right. And we can still find gratitude. Uh, Jonathan, on the line, we have uh, Karina from Connecticut. Good evening, Karina. Welcome to Christian Questions. Hello. Hey. I just had a couple of comments. I'm really enjoying the program. I'm very grateful for it. I'm grateful for your call screener who's working even though she doesn't feel well. Um, I wanted to say that I think if a person can get to the place where uh, they appreciate the overwhelming fact that God made them and has a magnificent and never-ending plan for all of mankind, for which we did nothing to earn any of that, it can help us to also forgive others um, who might have injured us. And especially when we realize that God offered us that forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and He planned it before we were even born. So He, you know, He planned that, and that's to me a huge reason to be deeply grateful. And it can change your life. It definitely changed my life over the course of many years. For many years, my only prayers were grateful prayers. I never would ask the Lord any questions. I just would let Him know how grateful I was. And and over a long time, that really improved my life um, substantially, and it does make your blood pressure go down. I, I believe that. You had that on one of the sound bites. 
Um, I did have an experience recently where I went for a doctor's visit, and I was had avoided it for a long time because I don't like getting bad news. And I thought that's what it might be, but even before I heard the news, um, the doctor said, boy, your blood pressure is surprisingly low because you <laughs> usually have high blood pressure when you come here just because you're nervous. So I think that's all attributable to, you know, having a relationship with God and being grateful, you know, that I made, that I, that I was even born. Um, and then lastly, a big part of many of our days are spent in business pursuits. You know, we have to earn a living, and a lot of things that happen during the workday can be negative. Um, you're receiving a phone call with information that's not what you plan to hear or an email you need to respond to for um, a vendor that things didn't work out well um, on their end, and you now have to deal with that. And I always try to end those phone calls or emails with um, a thank you, just letting them know, okay, it didn't go the way you wanted. Let's keep working on it. Thank you for trying. We're in this together, and I appreciate your efforts. So, um, Karina, that's a, that's you, really all I wanted to say. Well, you know, that, that that's a a great, great, great way of looking at things because what you're doing is you're finding gratitude even in the difficulty. And I'm sure that those people on the other end of the email or the phone call are thinking, what? How is that possible? But you change their lives. You make their lives better by doing that. Appreciate your call, Karina. Thanks so much. We appreciate your, uh, your, your comments. Very well thought out. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Take Bye. care. Really good stuff there, Jonathan. Really, really good stuff. Yes. You know, she had a lot of very, very practical, practical applications for gratitude. And, and folks, you can get to some of that if you subscribe to Seeker Rewind, the full edition. A lot of that will be written out for you. It's a free service. If you don't subscribe, go to ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for it now. It is a free service. And, and then you can read through those comments and say, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. And this is really about the momentum, uh, creating personal gratitude momentum. So our first step in that, Jonathan, and Karina got us off to a good start, is to be aware of your surroundings. And that's exactly what she was saying. Choose the environment that you want your mind to flourish in. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So, blessed is the man who takes his every day, which is full of opportunities and is full of pitfalls, and blessed is the man who knows what he really wants, and will now make a choice. Do I let myself just get drawn into the pitfalls or do I rise up to the opportunities? Be aware of your surroundings because, again, back to Karina's phone call, they're like, they, they can be pitfalls and there can be opportunities. Which way are you going to go? What will you choose? The opportunity or the pitfall? So be aware of your surroundings. That's the first personal gratitude momentum step. The second step is to make a conscious effort to focus on those things which naturally deliver gratitude. This is huge. You've got to find those things that naturally deliver gratitude. Uh, Philippians 4, verses 4, then 7 and 8. And this is from the book, Jonathan, you said is such a great book because it it's is. full of gratitude. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And the peace of God 
which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. See, those things that were mentioned, uh, true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, excellence, those naturally deliver gratitude. If we're going we're gonna to wallow in self-pity, you know, the natural delivery of, of self-pity is, is grumbling. It's misery. It's not gratitude. So make a conscious effort to focus on those things that naturally bring gratitude to the forefront where you can just pick it like fruit off of a tree and say, wow, this looks really good. Let me have some of this and then let me share it with somebody else. Distractions abound while goodness and righteousness seem to hide. And again, Jonathan, it's about observing and then choosing very carefully. So first step, be aware of your surroundings. Second step, make a conscious effort to focus on things which naturally will deliver gratitude. What's the third step? Live firmly in the present, not with one foot in the past or in the future. And before we go to the scripture on this, Jonathan, I want to go to another, another little story of, of gratitude. You know, a good friend of ours, uh, a Christian friend of ours, his name is George. He recently lost his wife um, just a few weeks ago. And it was kind of sudden. And uh, George is in his 80s. They had been married for 60 or 61 years. And we, there was just a memorial service just this past weekend. And I was working at my office today, and uh, I have a little little ringer on my door when somebody walks in. I heard the ringer. I wasn't expecting anybody. And I looked up, and there was George. And he had come to drop something off. And, and he, um, he said, hey, can we, we sit down and talk? And so George and I, dear, dear Christian brother, we, we, we talked for a while. And, you know, look, his soulmate, his life partner of 60 plus years is now gone suddenly and he was talking to me about the loss and the difficulty but he also was talking about the gratitude that he had for having her in his life and I was so touched by that and he told me of a quote that another Christian uh, by the name of Levi had given him and, and Levi had told him many years ago only look back to help you move forward and, you know, that's an important part of looking back in our lives. There's power in our past, and there's also uh, negativity in our past. Look, that's right. Look back to help you move forward. And that's what this third point in personal gratitude momentum is, is live firmly in the present. And let's go to Exodus 16, 1 to 3. Then they set out for Elam. After their departure from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill those whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about it. How, how small did they think God was? Did they think that he would miraculously deliver them out of Egypt so he could starve them later? <laughs> Wait. Uh, they were looking back with human nature right for the wrong reasons they weren't looking back to help propel them forward they were no, looking they back weren't. so they could complain hey we're hungry now and, and you know they missed the point of the gratitude of their deliverance israel chose to look back selectively and that was the wrong kind of selection where do we choose to look and to live bottom line 
gratitude's a choice. It, it is. really is a choice. Let's go back to the skit guys. And again, it's a little hard to visualize, but these are people in everyday experiences finding reasons to say thank you to God no matter what's happening. Father, thank you for knowing my family's needs even before I do. And for ladybugs and old people and Disney movies and Miss Walker and donuts. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me that I'm never alone. Thank you, God, for what I have. And also, I wouldn't mind an upgrade soon. Thank you, Father God, for love, joy, peace, and patience. Lord, especially patience. And thank you for Jesse, even though he's mean during recess. Help him find a good friend. That's what he needs. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God, for childlike faith. Kind of lifts you up when you hear all those little thank yous. And, you know, the guy said, you know, I wouldn't mind an upgrade. His car just broken down and there's like smoke everywhere. He's like, I'm trying really hard here, you know. And just it gives you a sense of let God and gratitude be part of your every day. I mean, I think that's the, the, the big lesson that we should draw from that. God can be a big part of your every day if you choose to allow gratitude to permeate what happens in your every day. Rick, I have a client uh, that I um, serve, and when I get together with her, she's always down about herself and life. And last year when we did the Thanksgiving program, I gave her a challenge, and I said, every month when I come back to visit you, I want to hear that you wrote someone a, let a letter and thank them for being special or helpful or caring to you in your life. And every time I come back to see, see her, she tells me who she contacted and wrote to and what a blessing it was to her. And uh, it, it just reminded me, of, it really helps those that are depressed and feel down. It, it can turn their, their life around. That's a great, great, great example. And you know, to give someone that challenge and, and you see them once a month, there's an accountability with the challenge. Yes. And, and it can change. It can help folks. We, it can change us, and then we can help change others. I mean, and that's the next point. We promote gratitude in others when we choose to live our own lives with gratitude. And, Jonathan, I'm sure she sees that big smile on your face because it's hard to get it off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews thirteen fifteen to 16. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing 
For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Do not neglect doing good and sharing. That's exactly what you were saying in your own uh, life experience there. And so, you know, we've got the... The, the, the formula for getting gratitude and momentum. Now we've got to pass it on to others. One of the ways to pass it on to others is to live our gratitude out loud. Sometimes the most impactful gratitude, which usually happens in a time of private pain, finds its way to the ears and the hearts of others to spur them on as well. It's amazing how someone who's going through difficulty can be an inspiration to the people around them. Psalm 100, verses 1 to 5. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. I, I love these verses, Jonathan. I haven't counted, but there's joyful and gladness and joyful and um, we are the sheep and his gates and thanksgiving and praise and thanks and the God is good and loving kindness and everlasting and on and on and on. My favorite psalm, <laughs> Psalm 100. What, what's our final gratitude lesson? Gratitude, if chosen, will lift your heart and mind so that you can better contribute to others and they, in turn, can experience gratitude that will lift their hearts and minds. And then, then those people can lift the hearts and minds of other people, who in turn can lift the hearts and minds of other people, who in turn you get the point. The point is, folks, the choice of gratitude is yours. It's with you every single day in every single experience. Choose Choose to try it. Choose to try it on and see how it fits. Choose to smile instead of frown. Choose to look up instead of down. Choose to look forward instead of backwards. Choose to look into scripture instead of to the nasty news of the day and see if you can find the gratitude necessary to lift you to a different place and then choose to pass it on to others. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions. We'll be back again next week. But until then... Please make gratitude your attitude. Till next week, think about it.